0: This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Come on. In Jesus' name, amen. Now your best shout ever. Good morning. Well, it's always good to hear from Mama. Everybody needs to hear from Mama, so Mama June's going to speak to you this morning. But let's take it a step further. Let's believe it's not Mama June, but that God's going to use Mama June to talk to you. Can you believe that? Something supernatural will happen here. The Holy Spirit will just take over, and this pulpit will become the voice of God. So, Lord, we expect that this morning. Holy Spirit, we expect that this morning, that this supernatural thing will happen that my breath will be your breath, my words will be your words, my thoughts will be your thoughts. We step aside today from my personality, what I studied, what I prayed about, and now we just say that the will of God, the word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit flow from this pulpit to these people. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for hanging out with us, We thank you for being present with us this morning, for coming and speaking to your people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen Amen. and amen. I was a member of the Methodist Church from the time of my birth until I was 30 years old. Uh, I was in the same church that I had grown up in. And at age 30, I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I began to speak with other tongues, and that did not quite fit in with the Methodist. So God moved us as a family to a Pentecostal church. And in this Pentecostal church, I experienced a God that was much different from the God I had experienced in the Methodist church. And, of course, the Methodist church is the place where I was born again. You know, the Methodist church taught me about God from my birth until age 30. But I had just gone to a place that God put me in a Pentecostal church among Pentecostal people. And I began to experience God in a way I had never experienced God before because these Pentecostals, were very excited Uh, they amen in the middle of a sermon and god put me with a pastor and he had a white handkerchief and if he liked anything he said in his sermon if you didn't amen he would wave his white handkerchief and jerk with his foot kind of like this and I, i had just never seen anything like this you know and so I thought, oh god, and he began to preach bible stories that I had grown up with. In ways I had never heard them preached. Moses had a bush that burned and talked to him. Elijah called fire down from heaven. Axe heads floated instead of sinking. They'd throw dead people into a grave on a prophet's dead bones, and they'd come back to life. And I thought, God, what I need are some spectacular stories. My life just seems so boring compared to all of these stories. And I began to long for these spectacular stories and experiences that was going to change my life. Change the woman I am. Uh, Those sermons were so uh, dramatic and powerful with so many amens that when my friends didn't attend church and they would say, uh, how did it go? What did he preach? All I could say is, you should have been there. (laughs) Have you ever been to services like that? You know, you don't even know how to put it in a sentence. You just should have been there. And then in 1977, Jean and I went into full-time ministry, and I became a speaker that would travel around the United States speaking in conferences. Now, I'd never done this before, so, you know, I was young, uh, in my 30s, and a little bit intimidated that all of a sudden I found myself on platforms in front of large crowds of people, and You know how conferences are. There'd be several speakers. And I was just one of several. And I I again began to feel, you know, I need something spectacular. Because some of these speakers just had stories that were hard to believe. In one conference, the woman who preceded me, she spoke at 8.30 in the morning. I was going to speak at 10.30 told a story about angels that regularly visited her in her home. And they would meet her in her kitchen and in her bedroom. And everybody in the audience would go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, amen, ooh, ah. Well, I wasn't oohing and on, ah, I was sweating because I had to follow her. And I'm going to talk about crucifixion of the flesh. And it's hard to make that funny. It's hard to make people ooh and ah about crucifying your old dirty, nasty flesh. And so I I thought, that's God, that's what I need, some angelic visitation. I I thought, why don't angels visit me in my kitchen and my bedroom? And I thought, well, they must not like my house. They must not like my kitchen. They must not. Like my bedroom. And then I had a friend that would just travel around listening, you know, to other speakers, going to conferences. And she went to one conference, and it was a well-known speaker. He was world famous. And she came back from that conference, and I said, well, how did it go? And she said, oh, you should have been there. (laughs) And I wasn't. So I said, well, tell me about it. What did he preach? She said, oh, it was deep. It was deep. And I said, well, what did he preach? She said, it was so deep, I didn't understand a word he said. (laughs) And I thought, that's what I need to be, deep. I need to be deep. I need some angels. I need to preach, you know, where people jerk. I need some stories that make you jerk. And I just need to be deep. I just need to be deep. Then someone gave me a word, and that word said that in three days I was going to receive a visit from the glory world. I thought, well, praise God, the angels are coming. Those angels are coming. Now, that was 1970s, and I have yet had that visit from the glory world. <laughs> I decided a day to God's a 1,000 years, so I've got 2,000 more years before I'm going to have a visit from the glory world. And and these are all true stories, and I tell you this because here I am this morning. Uh, Next week, I'll be 83 years old. I've been a Christian. Thank you. I've been a Christian for 68 of the 83 years and I have been baptized with the Holy Spirit for 53 years. Now, I do have some good stories. I do have some supernatural things that happen. I've never had the angels visit, but I have been involved in very supernatural, miraculous things that God has done. But if, if I have to limit God's power to those jaw-dropping, spectacular times that make goosebumps run up and down our bodies, then uh, I haven't come very far. Uh, There is the power of God that is unseen, that is unfelt, that works without an amen and a jerk and a shout and a sweat. There is a power of God. And at my age, we elderly people are very prone to reflect over our lives as to what brings us to our latter years. And as I think back over my life, the greatest power of God that has been in my life, that has brought me to this day, to this time, to this pulpit, is the power of the local church now one thing that most people don't hear from me often is my relationship with the local church I was uh, presented to God at age six months by my parents in the East Gadsden Methodist Church Uh, I actually have a certificate that said I was made a lifetime member then so I guess I'm a lifetime member My mother saved it, and I have it in my possession. I stayed in that church as a kid, a youth, a young married woman. And then we joined the Pentecostal church, and we stayed there for 11 years until that church sent us out into ministry. And that was 1980. And uh, from 1980 to this day... I have been in churches pastored by first my husband and now my son. I've actually been a member of Believer's Church for 31 years. Nobody here is longer than that because I was here when it started. So I get the gold star for long-time membership. And the reason I give you that little history is so you understand I've had a relationship with God and his church. And we don't hear a lot of people talk about how powerful the local church is. But I I speak from my own experience that there is a power that occurs here every time we gather that is often unseen, it is often unfelt, uh, sometimes it may seem routine, but nevertheless the power of God is in this room this morning. And I want us to read from Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read from the New Living Bible. We'll start with verse 11, and I'll end with verse 15. Very familiar scripture, but let's open our hearts to the power that is contained here. Now, these are the gifts. I want you to notice that these gifts are going to be people. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to unity in our faith and to the knowledge of God's Son that we may mature, grow up, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about with every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing up in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of the church. Now, what we have just read contains powerful, powerful work of God. Far beyond an angel visiting you in the kitchen this morning. Something very deep is happening here. And we, as God's people, must understand that God gifts us with human beings who are called, anointed, and given giftings of God to equip us. We call it the fivefold ministry. Uh, if you look at a hand, uh, the apostle is like the thumb, the, the one who founds, the one it rests upon. The prophet's like the finger that points at us. And tells us what's wrong. The evangelist is the long finger of the hand reaching out. But the whole work rests upon the last two, the pastors and the teachers. Which is where it becomes very local, very personal. And the Bible says that God has given us this because after we have been born again, we need to be equipped. And that word equipped in the Greek text, as it was written by the Apostle Paul, uh, is a surgical word. And it's within the context of a bone that that is broken. And that bone has to be put in a connection with a body. It is within the, the context of something being out of joint, something being not well. And and God is going to take it, and God is going to make it whole and, and pure. And this is a picture of what happens in a local church. We come in here and we're bruised, we're broken, we're hurt, we're wounded. Life, the devil, people, everything's done its job on us. But right here this morning, God's doing surgery. And he's putting a healing into all those broken places. He's putting a healing into what's out of joint. He's doing a healing work. Uh, It's said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Now, very again, very powerful scripture. Let us not neglect our meeting together. Uh, The word is the assembly in the Greek text. And when, when the church started, there was no word for church because there had never been a church. When, when all of this happened in Acts chapter 2, there had never been a church. There was no word in the vocabulary of, of God's people to say church. So the writers of the New Testament took this word ecclesia. We get ecclesiastical from it. And it means the assembly. Uh, If you would think of the government in Atlanta, Georgia, when the senators and the representatives meet, it's the assembly. When they meet in Washington, D.C., it's the assembly. It's a political word that the writers of the New Testament took it and made it very spiritual. And it means when we are in a room together like this. And the Bible says let's don't neglect that as some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I don't know about you, but when Russia invaded Ukraine, Russia is in the prophetic words of the Bible. I didn't look to Europe. I started looking up, you know, looking up. I don't know when Christ is coming, but it's closer than it was yesterday. So as that day approaches, God says, you're going to need to come together. You're going to need to be equipped. You're going to need to be healed and made whole. So there's this power that God has put in the local church that we encounter every time we assemble together. Now, we, we may not be... You know, like Pentecostals that jump and shout and scream and holler at every amen and comma and period. Some people do that. But I want you to know, even when it's quiet, even when it's routine, uh, there's a power here. There's a relationship here. Gene and I were invited to speak in a church in a small town, and the only... Motel in town was the Roach Motel. I don't know if you've ever stayed in the Roach Motel. It was bad. The air conditioner barely worked. It was the hot summer. And we were through preaching, and we're sitting in the Roach Motel. We're half undressed in our underwear, fanning because the air conditioner doesn't work. We're sitting there drinking water and diet coats and eating. It's late at night. And I look up, and there's a hole in the wall of of the Roach Motel room we're in. And I said to Gene, I said, there's a hole up there. I said, I wonder, do they have cameras in that hole (laughs) recording what's going on in this room? And Gene looked up there, and he said, well, if they do, they'll plug up the hole because there's nothing going on in here. (laughs) It was too hot for anything to be going on. (laughs) Things are going to go on. You don't go to the Roach Motel to have it going on. (laughs) But how many know there was something going on? We have a strong, good relationship, and there's something going on. Even though we don't feel goosebumps and we don't fall in the floor every time we walk into the kitchen with each other, there's something going on here a relationship, I want you to know this morning there's something going on in the house of God, even when we don't feel it, even when, you know, we, we say, well, it, it was just ordinary. No, it was not ordinary. God was equipping. So I'm going to share with you uh, seven things that happened to me in the local church of the power of the local church in my life. The first thing the local church has done for me is it has equipped me. And by equipping, I mean it helped me to identify myself. Uh, Growing up, I I had no vision that at age 83 I would be doing this. Uh, When I began to do this, Back in the early 70s, women didn't even preach. I grew up in a church, the Methodist church, never saw a woman in the pulpit. saw very few women in the pulpit of the Pentecostal church. But yet God brought me into an identity, a calling, a purpose, an understanding of myself to the point that I just became comfortable in my own skin that I am who I am. Things I used to criticize, I learned that were gifts of God. I'm just very methodical. I know when the light bulbs don't burn because I notice details. Uh, I can be bossy, pick that up, straighten that up. Uh, I, I just uh, think in an outline form. And I have this mouth that can be heard six blocks away. <laughs> which is what you need if you're going to be a teacher. You've got to think straight. You've got to think in an outline. You've got to be a little bossy every now and then. And you have to be able to communicate in a voice that people can hear. A deaf woman told me one time, she said, you're my favorite speaker. I said, thank you. She said, you're the only one I can hear. (laughs) She said, you talk so loud, I can hear you. So thank God he's giving me a voice. Deaf people can hear. Gene can hear it when he's way in another room. See, I came to be comfortable with this self, this June Evans. I came to see... God had a purpose for June Evans. God has a calling on June Evans. God has anointing upon June Evans. He equipped me. The second thing that happened in the local church is I grew up. I matured. People say to me sometimes, oh, you have such wisdom. I found that in the local church. I wasn't always this wise. But thank God, I grew up. You know, I always wanted children till I had children. And then I started praying they'd grow up. And somebody said to me, did you cry when Gary and Mark left home? I said, no, I was waiting bye-bye. I was ready for Robin to take him on, for Tammy to take him on. I'd had him for years, and I was ready for them to move on maturity growing up years ago the little granddaughters and grandson that these girls you see grown up they were very small they the family came to our house and we were going to eat in a restaurant and the boys said to us we're gonna ride together and at this time we had just you know a handful of grandchildren I think there were four and they said, the grandchildren can ride with you. And we said, okay. We put them in the back seat of the van. And as we're riding down Douglas Boulevard, they see Chuck E. Cheese. And they wanted to go to Chuck E. Cheese instead of the, rest, the restaurant we were going to. And we said, no, we're going to this restaurant. So they start this course in the back of the van. Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, please, please, please. Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese, please, 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 Chuck E. Cheese. We're saying, no, we're not going to Chuck E. Cheese. Now, here's my opinion about Chuck E. Cheese. If you want to get people saved, take them to Chuck E. Cheese and say, this is what hell is like. (laughs) And they'll get saved at Chuck E. Cheese. I'm sorry if you work there, have stopped there. I just don't like Chuck E. Cheese. And when we're immature Christians, God's got us in his van taking us where he wants us to go. We don't even know where that is. And we're just back there, Chuck E. Cheese, Chuck E. Cheese. Please, God, please, God, Chuck E. Cheese. And God's saying, you don't want to go there. It's hell on earth. It's hell on earth. Thank God we grow up. Hallelujah. (laughs) We mature. We grow up. So I I was equipped. I grew up. The third thing is I experienced unity with the people of God. And I just learned to love people. People who weren't like me. God put me in that Pentecostal church because I had been a Christian for 15 years, born into a Methodist church, and I loved the Methodist. But God showed me, he's got a whole group of people over here, nothing like the Methodist. And God wanted me to appreciate diversity. God wanted me to appreciate you. Thank God we're not all alike today. Thank God we have... Different personalities. God comes out of every one of us in different ways. Every one of us is a side of God that we can look at and and say, God must be like that. Now, prior to God delivering me from my bad attitudes about people, I was very critical of people. I didn't do it publicly publicly. But, you know, I just kind of pick and choose the people that I liked and I was going to hang out with. But God put me among people and showed me the many, many sides of God. And while we all have flesh that has to be dealt with, there's still something very unique in each person in the room today. Every one of you are a side of God. And we look at you, and we see the, multi, the multiple sides of God. And God taught me to flow with that. I just had to learn to flow with that because God was going to put me with people of different kindreds and tongues and tribes, the Bible says. I would spend eternity with you. We had a man in that Pentecostal church He was baptized with the Spirit, but he only had four words that he could say in other tongues, and they were sycamosai, "Sikamosai," And every time he'd walk into the church, and you'd say, hello. Before he'd say anything, he would say, sycamosai. And then he'd say, good morning, how are you? "Sikamosai." And he just sikamo sighed and got on my nerves. I thought, God, somebody needs to tell him to shut up. Sycamore sigh. You don't have to sikamo sigh every time you start a sentence and end a sentence. We didn't even know his name. We called him sikamo sigh. <laughs> and he died. And they announced, sikamo sigh died. <laughs> And I said to Gene, when he appeared in heaven, I know Jesus said, here comes Sycamore's si. <laughs> Sai. But you know what? I learned to love him. I did. I learned to love him. And I just overlooked Sycamore's Sai. And thank God he's Sycamore's Sai. It's a good story. I've got a good story this morning. And I still remember Sycamore's Sai. I forgot a lot of those people, but old Sycamore's si. You know, just sticks out. Now, don't start sycamore me today. Okay, don't come up afterward and sycamore He's in heaven, and we'll let him be there. But there is this flowing that God wants to happen here. It's called unity, learning to live together, to accept each other. And I learned that in the local church. In the local church, I was equipped. I grew up, I learned to live in unity with people, and God taught me balance. Balance means that I'm protected from wrong doctrine, I'm protected from deception, because a lot of people in Christianity can get off in ditches. Uh, When the woman was speaking about angels years ago, that was a ditch. Everybody in the Christian world at that time, it was in the 70s, this thing was birthed about angels visiting human beings. And I just saw a lot of people go off in ditches. She was in a ditch thinking that Christianity was, was totally about angels appearing in your kitchen and in your bedroom. And I found that, that in the church, I learned balance. I I learned right from wrong. Uh, Pastors, leaders, kept me from going off in the ditch. Gene and I attended a conference in the 70s, and they taught us to, you know, that there were demons. People had demons, and you needed to cast demons out. And certainly it was true, and we saw them do it. But we were real young, we had just been baptized with the Spirit. We were in this little Pentecostal church. And we come back from that conference, and we just going to cast demons. We go to our Sunday school class and tell them, we know what's wrong with you. You have demons, and we're going to cast them out. There was demons in peanut butter. Demons were in light bulbs. You know, demons were just everywhere. Mark was about five years old, and he came wheezing through the kitchen one day. He couldn't breathe well. He was coughing. And Jean said to him, Mark, we know what's wrong with you. You have a demon, and we're going to cast it out. And you know how Mark is. He said, okay. <laughs> so we laid him on the floor, and we did what they taught us to do. You had to get the demon to name itself. So Mark's laying there like this, and we're standing over him like this commanding the devil to name himself. And, you know, Mark's just laying there with his eyes rolling. We're shouting, what's your name? What's your name? And finally, Gene said, I've had enough. And he did his foot like this. I command you, what's your name? I'm tired of fooling with you. And Mark sat up and said, Mark! 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 Well, that's why he's so good today. We cast that thing out of him when he was five years old. <laughs> just, just crazy. <laughs> How many know we're going to go crazy unless God gives us some balance? We just go crazy with the things of God. And, and, you know, our pastor came to us. Thank God for a pastor that will confront you when you're wrong. And he said, you're just stupid. This is stupid. (laughs) He said, you can't act like this in the church. And we obeyed. Thank God we did. Thank God a pastor came and kept us balanced. Balance. Equipping, maturity, unity with God's people. Balance. And faith. The Bible says faith comes... By hearing people preach. So right now, this powerful thing is happening to you. You're listening to me preach, and faith is coming. People just search for faith. How do you get faith? I've had people say to me, how did you come to such faith? I went to church. I listened to sermons, and faith came. This Pentecostal pastor had three messages that he put in different forms. On Sunday morning he'd teach us how to live by faith. On Sunday night he'd teach us how to be healed. On Wednesday night he would teach us about the power of giving. On the next Sunday morning he'd preach us about healing. On Sunday night he'd teach us about giving. On Wednesday night he'd teach us about healing. The next Sunday morning he'd teach us about healing. On Sunday morning. Giving on Sunday night. Healing on Wednesday night. And I'd say to Jean. Doesn't he have any more sermons? But guess what I'm strong in today? Faith. Healing. Giving. Guess what you need to live a good life? Faith. Faith. Healing. Giving. God God just equipping me. And I, I had faith. Faith came to me faith came to my husband in the local church then there was the sixth thing which is corporate anointing now corporate anointing means we need more prayer than one person can give corporate means the body corporate means that we have to have somebody add their faith. To my faith. Uh, in, In the Bible, when Peter was in prison and about to be killed, the church prayed. The church prayed. Corporate. And sometimes in life, one person's not enough. And we need the body of Christ to pray. In that Pentecostal church on a Sunday night, a brother Wilcoxon died of a heart attack during the service. He fell out into the back aisle of the church. A nurse was a member of our church, and she went back there, checked his vitals, and she said, well, he's dead. So they called the ambulance to come pick up his dead body. And, of course, we as the church, we gathered around. And our pastor said, well, why don't we pray for him? And you know how we are. He said pray, so we all gathered around him. Our pastor laid hands on him. The elders laid hands on him. The church stood around him and prayed. And when the ambulance came, Brother Wilcoxon was sitting up alive and well. And he lived another long life because the church prayed. My son was in a critical automobile accident in 207. They said he was... Uh, Brain damage. He would live on a feeding tube in a nursing home until he died. And the church prayed. And the accident happened on Thursday. The church started praying Thursday night. And on Tuesday morning, they sent him home healed. And he's a well today because the church prayed. Dear people, we're coming to a time where we're going to need corporate Power, corporate anointing, somebody to stand with us and hold our arms up in prayer and in faith. And the seventh thing is understanding. I'm going to read this from the Psalms. King David was really upset because he said, Wicked people seem to prosper. Wicked people seem to do well. Wicked people seem to get along better sometimes than God's people do. And he said, so I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task it is. And then I went into your sanctuary, O oh God, and I finally understood. And I, I, I say this from my 68 years as a Christian, that final understanding does happen in the house of God. There are things that I understand today I didn't understand. There are things that used to bother me way back here that don't bother me anymore because of understanding that has come to me. So these are the things that the local church gives to us. Sometimes you come every Sunday Uh, You come maybe again on Wednesday night, and maybe not much seems to be going on, but in the midst of this, God equips, God grows you up, God teaches you to live with people who are not like you, God gives you balance, God gives you faith, there's corporate anointing to add to you when you need it, and then there's Understanding, And dear people, that's a lot more powerful than an angel in your kitchen, than, than a boost monk in a service. It's very, very powerful what goes on. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27. It says Christ loved the church. Now I want us to let that sink in. Christ loves the church. So here we are. Christ loves the church. He gave up his life for her. He didn't just die so that he could have a bunch of saved people. Christ died so that he could take the saved people and make them a church. He gave himself his life to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word. That's what I'm doing this morning, giving you a bath with God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Now this tells us something very important about the church. We're not perfect. We're a bunch of imperfect people. There's not a perfect one in the room. I've been a Christian 68 years. I'm not perfect. I'm being perfected. And one day I will live in perfection. But I'm, I'm being equipped. That's why I'm in church on Sunday mornings. Listen, I don't listen to Mark preach. I listen to a pastor preach. He's no longer my son when he stands here. He's authority over my life. Because God is washing me. God is equipping us. Now, if Christ is willing to hang out with imperfect people, shouldn't we be willing to hang out with imperfect people? We have to give up this idea of the perfect church, the perfect people, the perfect pastor, the the perfect praise team. There's no such thing. The Bible says we still got some spots and wrinkles. What we don't want to do is let the spots and wrinkles defeat us. Now, Jean and I are in our 80s, and there's just a lot of spots and wrinkles on us. There's a lot going on under these clothes you don't see. What was high and lifted up is falling to the floor. Listen, young people, you don't have to get tattoos and pay money. God tattoos you at the end of life with age spots. They just look at, look at Gene's head. Mine are covered with makeup. Look at his bald head, just covered with tattoos that God has given him. Age spots. Now, you don't dislike us because we're spotted and wrinkled. Brother Canoe always tells me I'm looking good. That's why he always says, Mama, you're looking good. And I agree with him. Mama's looking good. But Mama's got some spots. Mama's got some wrinkles. See, Mama's got things going on. And we have to be aware that the church is imperfect. But we have to hang with it. Now, we're going to take communion today. And in this communion, I want us to honor the local church. I want us to stay centered upon the fact that Christ gave himself so that we could be this, so that we could do this this morning. Now, some of you may be here and your church hurt. Dear God, I've been hurt in church. I could stop right here and just tell you stories of people who've insulted me, hurt me, said mean, ugly things to me, and I just had to get over it. A lot of them never apologized. But the good news is I'm not hurt today. I've been healed. I've been healed because there is a healing from church hurt. You don't have to live in it. Uh, Maybe some of you have bad attitudes about the church. You've had bad experiences. Well, you've got to remember that Christ loves the church. And how can we hate what Christ loves? He gave himself so that we could be a church. Now, most of all, we have to look beyond where we are to our destination. Ephesians 5 says there's coming a day in the eternal future that Christ is going to present the church to himself as a glorious church. That's our destination. Now, I I think that's going to happen on the other side when Christ returns and takes the church to himself in the rapture of the church. And that is going to be a spectacular event. If you want to be part of something that's jaw-dropping, you don't want to miss that. Angels are going to be there watching us. Uh, You're going to have goosebumps. Uh, It's just going to be deep. (laughs) what is it going to look like what is it going to feel like when we are presented to Christ as the glorious church you don't want to miss it stay in the game hang with the church it's going to be spectacular amen and amen the local church the power of the local church well, I just feel there's a power here now. Some of you are in places where you really do just need the church to pray. If that's you, I want you to stand up. You need, you need help. You prayed by yourself, and you need God to just do something for you. Well, there's more than that. Don't be, don't be shy. You really need God to help. You prayed by yourself. You just need help. Jean, would you come up and join with me? Ishala kuko bakasata king do bakoshiki ya ku sita kit tore kit tori bakasuto ke uske uskelara Lara Mendo Bokoho Yingi Bakasata Ekha Yingos kuahoko Don't look around and say, when is God going to do something for me? When is God going to show up at my house? I'm looking for God to show up now, and I can't find God. But God is saying to you today, this is your day. This is the day when you walk free. This is the day when I anoint you to be set free from all the disturbance that the enemy has tried to place upon you. I'm saying to you now, this is your day. Walk free, because I'm here, saith the Lord. And when I come on the scene, devils have to flee, and you are free, and free indeed, saith the Lord God. Amen, 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 amen. Now, with some of you who are the church around these, just reach out your hand to them now. You, you can touch them. Just spread your hands. We are the church. Those that didn't stand, Lord, we just pray for our brothers and our sisters in, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For these over here, they need corporate anointing, and we stretch our hands toward them, Father, in, in the name of Jesus. My brother that's on the second row uh, right here, yes, you, brother, in the white shirt. The Lord said that you are not to think that he's overlooked to you. You're not to think that he's forgotten you. You're not to think that you're unimportant and that you don't matter. And in the days ahead, there's going to be an anointing of renewal, refreshing, resetting, God raising you up into a man you do not even know because God's going to do some miracle things for you in Jesus' name. You hang in there with God, brother. He's got good things. I pray for them. I pray for this right here, this section, Father, that the power of Almighty God would touch your people. I thank you for that. This section right here, we as the church pray for, for our sisters. Uh, you two on the end right there. God, God said he's going to show up. He's going to show up in ways that you don't understand. When you're, you're older women like me, you'll say, well, God showed up. And I don't know what you need God to do, but he's going to show up. And uh, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know, I'm just saying this to both of you. Life has written some pages, and God's going to show up and tear up the pages that life has written, and God's going to write a new story for both of you in Jesus' name. A new story for both of you in Jesus' name. This section right here, Father, we pray corporate anointing. Upon your people Understanding coming to you Gail In the house of God You and I've had talks about this God said just be at peace Understanding comes in the house of God I thank you Father For corporate anointing Right here corporate anointing Going to your people That need help To Ryan in Jesus name In Jesus name We thank you God for the power of the church This morning now, we want you to prepare yourself with all of you stand. We're going to have the elders, the prayer people come. And you may need someone to lay hands on you. You may need somebody to pray for you. That's why we have elders and people who are here at the altars. We're here to pray for you. As you take communion this morning, we ask to remember to bring your giving There are ways that you can give. It's found on your card in your seat. There's a gift box. You can drop them here. But we're going to take communion this morning, and we're going to honor the church. And if you've been hurt in church, there's a healing here for you. The communion will heal you. If you feel inadequate, there's a healing here. You're part of a process and equipping. God's going to take all your inferiorities, your broken places, your bruised places, and He's going to work a healing. I ask God to give all of us a supernatural love for His church. If Christ loved the church, we should love the church.